The following is not legal advice coming from an attorney. Nothing more than a father speaking from his own experience. Should you need actual legal advice, contact an attorney. It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth. The show where real men band together, stand up for father's rights, and bring the father's truth out of the darkness, out of the darkness, and in to the light. Giving fathers a voice everywhere. A broadcast brought to you by the Father's Lives Matter Network. Here's your host, Alan Donovan. All right, guys. Hey, I want to thank everybody for stopping by. I am Alan Donovan, and this is another episode of The Father's Truth. Tonight, we have an interesting one. I have never talked to anybody from India about family court, but today, we are going to do that. On the show today, I have Taj. She was born and raised in Bombay, India. She has a degree in commerce and film production. She's joining us today to talk about the situation that her brother dealt with after an arranged marriage. Yes, I said an arranged marriage. That's not something that you know any of us in the West have ever really experienced, okay? But after his arranged marriage failed, he found himself in the middle of a custody dispute. So we're going to get some insight into how the Indian family court system works today and everything that it entails. So let's go ahead and get Taj on in here, guys. He has had a great day and is having a great week so far. Once again, I want to thank you for stopping by. I appreciate it. Okay, there we go. Taj, how are you doing this morning? Hi, I'm doing good, Alan. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know it is the morning there. It's like, what, 8.30 in the morning there? Yeah, 8.30, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I want to thank you for taking the time to come in and talk to us about this because like we were talking about earlier, um, we don't have a lot of experience with arranged marriages. It's not something that is even remotely prevalent in Western culture. So when, when I first started talking to you, because you reached out to me, how we connected was you reached out to me to ask me for the link for the article that I posted about the father in Canada that yeah. was awarded a lot of money. And yeah. so we got to talking and he told me where you were from and he told me about your brother's situation. And I, I found that so interesting that he had gone through an arranged marriage that failed. So if you want to start off on, on talking about the arranged marriage and how that works in your culture, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so actually, um um, first of all, good morning, everyone, or good evening to everyone who's on the other side of the world. Uh, so actually, I, uh, with arranged, mar arranged marriage has actually evolved from uh, what it used to be. So my parents had an arranged marriage as well. And uh, when they had an arranged marriage, they actually met just twice. And uh, then they got married. And uh, the first time was with all my mom's relatives and my dad. My dad literally came with no one else. And uh, so the thing is, my dad had studied abroad for a while. So he came back and he happened to be in Bombay. And uh, he got to meet my mom's family. And uh, he didn't get a chance to speak to my mom at all. So I think a couple of months elapsed and my grandfather kept calling my, my mom's father kept calling my dad's parents and saying, you know, is he going to say yes or what is happening? And at that point, they said, oh, he wants to meet her again because he didn't get a chance to speak to her. So uh, my grandfather actually arranged for my mom to meet my dad um, at, their, uh, at their place. And they all sat in the room, in the bedroom, and these two sat in their living room. 
So they actually had a chat and uh, that's how it was decided. But it's evolved uh, and become completely different. It's pretty much like a blind date now. So, okay. uh, you know, it's set up by maybe family or friends or whoever it is. And then you can date for a bit and see whether it works out or not. Um, I think uh, the thing was with my brother, he met, uh, I think he met uh, this girl. He met her four times. And based on those four meetings, he, he decided. Uh, but before, yeah, but the thing is, before that, uh, they had already spread the rumor to everyone that they were engaged. And uh, we actually had a function that was not related to his wedding at all. And a lot of people came to that function and were congratulating us. So we were kind of caught on the back foot. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a red flag for sure. It's something that we discussed at that point of time. But I feel like... Uh, in hindsight, we see it as a red flag and we said, we were like, why didn't we notice all of these things? There were several things that happened, but we didn't notice it back then. Uh, it so, surprised so let us. Stop, let me stop you for a second, Taj. What, yeah. So was she, spreading, was she spreading the rumor that your brother and her were gonna get married? So yeah. is, that, is that, okay, okay. Yeah, I think their family spread the rumor that they were already engaged. Um, okay. So it, uh, and you know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the thing about arranged marriage is that it's uh, people from the same community. So uh, families have a reputation and stuff like that. Like a lot of that uh, comes to play in arranged marriage. So, I mean, I would say my family does have this reputation of sticking to their word. So if they have given their word to get engaged or whatever it is, they won't go back. So if you embarrass us into that situation, uh, there's a possibility that uh, we will just go ahead with it because, you know, uh, yeah, which is absolutely silly. You should never do that. Uh, but hindsight, I mean, this is all in hindsight that we're like, okay, that was a bad decision to go ahead. Uh, yeah, but it's too late now. Oh, man, that, that's that's interesting that that's such a prevalent thing that's, you know, it kind of blows my mind to think that you know, I could have my parents set up a meeting with, you know, some random, I don't want to say random, I guess, uh, somebody I didn't know and decide my life for me later on down the road. That's just, it's strange. It's so strange. So, uh, so that's the other difference, right? So today uh, we are given that choice to say no. You can say no. Uh, when my mom got married, I don't really think my mom had a choice. Uh, I think my dad did have a choice. Uh, but uh, she was the first girl he really, or maybe he did meet a couple of other girls, but I think she was the first girl he really spoke to and uh, married. So, yeah. Okay. okay. So, so now. How, even the girl can say no. Well, that, that's good, though. That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, call me crazy, but I think when it comes to deciding your life, you should have that right to say yes or no if it, if it doesn't work or if you don't think it's going to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how Especially old were your brothers? to put in the work, right? Like, if you don't put in the work, then uh, if you're not interested, you may not put in the work to make it. Exactly. Make you know, and, you know, I tend to think, you know, there is such a thing as, as love at first sight and gut instincts. And, you know, conversely, I also tend to think that if something is not going to work with a person, you're going to know it. You know, you're going to get that gut feeling. You know, and I always think it's best to follow those instincts. I think they're there for a reason. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think the idea behind arranged marriage out here is that if you marry someone within your community, 
uh, it becomes a little easier, right? Because their habits, their food habits, all of those are similar. So it makes it easier for uh, a girl to adjust to the family because it's just, it's a lot of things are similar. But having said that, like I've realized that every family is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and regardless of, I mean, you could have this, you could be from the same community, but personalities are different. There are so many things that are different. Food habits may be the same in terms of like, okay, fine, we eat similar food. But I mean, uh, if you don't get along, uh, it would be really tough. So I think there are so many things that go into making a marriage work. And I think it's a gamble. It really is a gamble with marriage, whether arranged or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, arranged marriage or even just, you know, marriage the way it is now, you know, after dating and, you know, getting engaged. I mean, there's definitely a difference between being engaged and actually being married, you know. So, yeah, definitely think it's a gamble in this day and age without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I think the thought also behind this is that the families should get along. And Mm -hmm. uh, because it is a marriage between families. So that's the other thing but yeah i mean it's unpredictable and i think life is a is like it is a school so it's going to teach you whatever lessons you have to learn and whether it's through marriage whether it's through divorce or whatever it is um yeah it's, it's going to happen so yeah now now let me ask you this how does it how does it work that so that arranged marriage in conjunction with starting a family is that something that is expected you mean like uh, do do the parents even decide when you have a child or, or yes. what? Yeah. Oh no 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 no. I mean okay. no, not at all. Definitely not now. I do feel like uh, you know uh, earlier, like back when my parents got married. I think around that time, I think people would start putting pressure on you, and they would just mm-hmm. say, uh, "Oh, so when are you going to have a child?" Or they'll you know they'll keep asking you those questions. But it's more at social functions. I don't think. Uh, Unless you've been married 10 years and you still haven't had a kid, then maybe the pressure is on. But it's only with some families, like my family, there was no pressure to have kids at all, at all. But I I think my my brother's ex-wife, she was very keen on having a child pretty soon because she thought she was old. She wasn't old, but she thought she was getting older. So she wanted to have a child soon. But. I don't know whether that was the actual intention or whether there was an agenda uh, behind having the child immediately. So, uh, okay. yeah. So that, okay. No, I understand that. So, so you had the function where the rumor was being spread that they were already engaged. And how did it, how did it proceed from that point forward? So uh, it proceeded actually pretty fast because uh, we found out at the function we had a discussion just amongst ourselves and we were like, okay, now what do we do? Because everyone in the community uh, believes that they're already engaged. We were getting calls. People were, who came were congratulating us. So uh, we were a little surprised by that. Uh, but somehow, I don't know whether we were blinded or whatever it is, but we went ahead with it and we said, okay, fine. Uh, my brother actually organized for this whole proposal for whatever it's worth. And he, uh, they went ahead with the engagement and they were engaged for a whole year uh, before, uh, you know, they got married. Uh, she was still studying then. She was doing her residency in uh, India. A residency is what doctors do. I don't know whether you have the same thing there, but they do it. Yep. Um, yeah. So they basically have a residency 
for a year or two years or something like that and uh, then uh, so we thought we, we would do it after she was done with that because uh, then she'd be completely free and she could start work or whatever she wanted to do so how long how long were they married before things um, started going sour I guess is the best word to say so that's what's uh, scary because things started going sour from the get-go uh, oh, literally okay. went on their honeymoon came back and uh, there were issues from the beginning uh, and to my brother it seemed like those issues weren't even uh, important but it would be made out to seem like it was a huge issue and uh, I think uh, so the thing is she had a break between uh, the time that she got done with her residency because she had an exam and then she, uh, it took about uh, six months after that for her results to come. So she had to wait for six months before she could start work. Uh, in fact, we got her an observership in Bombay where she could just go and observe surgeons, you know, performing any surgery or whatever it is and learn whatever she could in that time. But uh, she was pretty much free for six months. And uh, she started doing something very strange, which I till they do not understand. But she would, uh, my brother would work a full day. He would come home and she would uh, wait till he went to sleep. And then she would wake him up and start a fight about something <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. And she, Jeez, okay. so, uh, but I was not aware of it, nor was my mom, nor was my grandmom. My brother was very careful to protect her and cover up for her behavior. But uh, it was literally like some kind of harassment. And she would do this only on the weekdays. Uh, and it was very strange. And it, in hindsight, it seems like it was planned. It was like planned harassment. And uh, she would do this every night. And she would fight with him for most of the night. And he would barely get like an hour or two of sleep and then go back to work. So he was exhausted. And uh, by the time the weekend came, he was really tired, but on the weekend, she wanted to go out, you know, mm -hmm. so there was, I have, we have to go out. We can't just sit at home. So there was that as well. So he literally was having a burnout in the first six months of marriage. And one day he, he literally was like, uh, you know, uh, if you want to fight, let's fight. And he said, let's fight on the weekend. And he, he stayed <laughs> up for the weekend. He said, let's finish this off. We're not going to do anything. Let's finish off whatever your issues are. And uh, a lot of the issues were trivial. It was like, uh, you know, your friend ignored me. Uh, she was snooty. Uh, your mother wasn't nice to me. Your sister wasn't nice to me. It would be like all these strange things. And uh, I don't know whether it was perceived because a lot of times we had no idea or the person she was talking about had no idea that there was even an issue. So okay. um, I think a lot of it was perceived. Uh, because everybody can't be, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, picking on you. <laughs> it's a so, bit strange. So she's, kind of, so she's kind of a drama queen, so to speak. Yeah, a bit of a drama queen. Uh, but honestly, Alan, I had no clue. My mom had no clue. We actually thought they were very happy. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and my brother believes in like keeping everything between the couple. You should not talk to anyone outside. I think it is like how my family is. We do believe that, okay, fine. Only the two individuals involved can sort out the problem. There's no point of in involving other people because they'll probably make a bigger mess. So yeah. 
he really believed in that she would go and talk to uh, random people about things that didn't even happen so uh, and she did that over the 6 years we realized 6 years later that she had been spreading rumors about the family so it was very strange and i think uh, in the first year of marriage she also told us uh, some absolutely bizarre stories she told us that about her own family she told us that she was molested by a cousin of hers who was uh, i think a year or two older than her uh she also told us about an aunt who got divorced because her husband was making her sleep around with all his friends so the stories were very bizarre and honestly we were sympathetic we couldn't believe something like that but uh we believed it because you you don't expect someone to lie about such things right like yeah. these are serious allegations uh, oh absolutely and they're about her own family she told us her father was very stingy even though he earned a lot of money in the middle east uh and he got a lot of money from his uh from her mother passing away through the insurance company but she said he's very stingy with me so i'm very insecure so there were a lot of these really uh horrible stories about the people that one would think she loved right like these are all people that she cares about but they're absolutely bizarre crazy stories but i realized uh 6 years later she was claiming my brother uh was violent with her so i think uh i don't know whether to believe the stories that she told us about her family whether they were true and that's why she's messed up and now she just assumes everyone is uh bad with her or i don't know whether uh you know they were all untrue and all a figment of her imagination so yeah that's very interesting because doing doing what i do and the time that i've been doing this i've been doing this now for 7 years you know i hear that lot i hear that a lot where especially where you know the the man tries to keep everything quiet doesn't let the family know what's going on meanwhile the wife is just out there blurting it out telling strangers everything you know telling all kinds of crazy ass stories i hear that all the time so it's it's i mean all in all it's pretty typical to me from what you said so far she sounds like she's borderline narcissistic maybe multiple yeah. personality disorder kind of thing going on yeah so um so actually we did not know of uh narcissism or i mean we knew of narcissism as a word but we thought it was used very flippantly most of the time and uh but after the 6 years we had done a little more research about narcissistic personality disorder and all of that but the thing is like alan you know I I feel bad behavior is bad behavior. I hate giving an excuse and trying to say, "Oh, you know, maybe something, maybe she has some kind of disorder or whatever it is." I'm just like, there are a lot of bad things she's done and uh, you know, I feel I don't want to make an excuse for it. That that's just uh yeah. Well, you know, I think in society, I know today in western society, that is the way that it gets passed off a lot, especially when you get into situations like family court you know they look at the they look at the things a mother does you know the alienation the violence whether it be towards the kids towards the husband you know the malicious spreading of rumors and you know 8 times out of 10 they'll pass it off as oh you know she's bipolar that's a very common one she's got multiple personality disorder that's another common one you know or she's just mentally ill and they they tend to give them a pass 
based off of that rather than just saying, hey, you know, she's a bitch that is causing trouble and doing all this stuff maliciously knowing it. You know, we, we tend to give it a pass and sweep it under the rug, which yeah. I don't agree with at all. I absolutely agree with you that bad behavior is bad behavior regardless of any medical conditions. <laughs> if that person is old enough to know what's right and what's wrong, they shouldn't get a pass. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so the thing is, in Indian courts, they don't even recognize narcissism. So uh, they recognize parental alienation, but I think it takes 10 years for them to recognize that. So uh, which is pretty much like half the child's life. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really uh, the, the thing about uh, Indian courts is that they don't recognize a lot of mental disorders. And uh, my thing is, if if a parent does have a disorder, why do they leave children with them? Like, why do they want yeah. them to raise a child? Like, how is it safe for them to raise a child? I don't know whether in the States they say, okay, fine, they have, they're probably bipolar, they have multiple personality disorders, so they shouldn't be raising a child. I don't know whether mm -hmm. they, they do that. Uh, they absolutely keep the, keep the child with the parent regardless of adverse mental conditions you know that once again that's another thing that i run into a lot i hear a lot of stories about that where you know the mother is bipolar schizophrenic multiple personality disorder whatever the case may be she's got serious mental issues but the court will continuously side with her and continuously keep the children with her out of the quote-unquote best interest of the child and one of the things that is really prevalent here in western society you know, North America, South America is, well, I shouldn't say South America, it's more North America. You know, we, we have a real problem with mothers killing their children. Um, yeah, when you, and when you look at the statistics and you do a, a statistical deep dive on this, um, it is, statistics say that a child is more likely to suffer either grievous bodily injury, injury, serious injury, injury, yeah, can't pronounce today, or death at the hands of a mother by herself or a mother with her partner. It's somewhere around 80% of the time oh versus 20% with the father. But the courts continuously side with the mother because, you know, here we go. It's a money situation. The mother yeah. doesn't bring any money to the table. Most of the single mothers over here in Western culture are on state welfare, welfare programs. You know, so the father brings the money to the table. So obviously the courts are going to want to keep that money coming in. Because over here, money is a huge, huge issue in family court with child support and everything. And yeah. uh, the federal, the family courts get a kickback from our federal government based off of the amount of child support that is out there, amount of child support that's being paid. So it behooves the family court to keep the kids with the mom so they can soak dad for the money. That's okay. the short, short go around of it. Okay. Well, it's the same here. It is all about the money. But I feel... The, the thing about Indian law is I get the feeling that they have just picked up certain laws from different countries without taking into uh, consideration how India functions. Uh, so there are a lot of laws that I feel, you know, they shouldn't have just pulled them out of, you know, wherever. So the thing is, like, in the States, actually, I'm surprised uh, that, uh, you know, I mean, everybody, the public school system is pretty good in the States in comparison to any other country in the world. So uh, if the public school system is good, then even the mother probably is having a pretty decent education 
in comparison to the rest of the world. So uh, I would think that she should be able to earn uh, regardless. Like there's no reason for her to depend on her male counterpart for finances. The issue is... Okay, yeah. yeah. So the issue is taking you care of the children while fight. she's working, right? I feel like that's more the issue in the States. Right? What like, was that? I didn't, I didn't catch that last part. The, I feel like the issue in the States would be taking care of the child while she's working. Right? Because you know, you would think, but it's actually not just simply because um, there's this huge push in the States to basically create a welfare nation for the most part. And with that welfare nation, I mean, there are so many social programs for women out there from, you know, I mean, basically there's programs for women, anything that you can think of, free cell phones, rent, representation in court, all these other things where, you know, if you get child support, food stamps, you know, cash assistance from the government, there, you, you don't need a job because you're making more on welfare than you could ever make at any kind of job unless you have a really prestigious four-year degree and you know a lot of these women and this is where i kind of run afoul because a lot of people tend to think that oh i'm a woman hater because i i put this stuff out there and i tell people about it it's not the case okay but a lot of these women <laughs> make a damn good living off of having kids from multiple dads you know if you're a woman that has four kids four different dads you know that's six hundred dollars per kid you know, in child support, plus food stamps, plus your WIC bonus, plus whatever, you don't need to work. I mean, you got a, you got a retirement plan that's good to go until those kids are 18. It's just the way wow. it is, unfortunately. So I guess being a mother is lucrative in the States. It's better than getting a degree. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, so the thing out here is, I feel like a large part of, and this is purely my opinion, but like uh, a large part of the Indian population doesn't have access to the best education and that includes the men right there are a lot of men who don't have an education at all but they're expected to support whole families so my whole point is that if a large part of our population doesn't have it, a, a great access to a great education they're supporting their families without that education an able-bodied woman has an equal opportunity to do the same there is no reason for her to expect her male counterpart with the, the same access to, you know, uh, support her. It just doesn't make any sense. And I mean, my, uh, my brother's ex-wife, she is a, an ophthalmologist. She super specializes in glaucoma and cataract surgery. So she's not somebody who's downtrodden, underprivileged or anything like that. She's had a very good education. And uh, she, in fact, she did her fellowship in Bombay after marriage. Uh, she wanted to do it from the institute that she uh, did her residency at, but they rejected her. That is also a red flag, but it happened after marriage. We found out about it after marriage. Okay. And so my mom actually had a friend of hers create a fellowship program in Bombay specifically for my sister-in-law. So she really? did. Yeah. Oh, so she wow. did the fellowship program here. So. There is no, uh, there was no lack of opportunity for her before marriage. Uh, opportunities were created for her after marriage. She was finding it difficult to get a job. So between my mom and my brother, they got her all the, all the jobs she had in Bombay. And uh, at, at the best hospitals, all of that. So there was no lack 
of opportunity. And my mom used to take her for these. My mom's part of the Rotary Club of, in, uh, of India at Midtown. And she actually, uh, uh, they used to have these eye camps. So she used to tell my sister-in-law to come with her whenever those eye camps were there. And she was like, why don't you come? You'll get a lot of experience just going on those eye camps. So there is really no reason for a woman like this to be asking for maintenance. And the, the uh, legal system doesn't even take cognizance of that. Hmm. Man, that's, that's I mean, that is extremely privileged. <clears throat> Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. And, she's, and she hasn't, uh, it's not like the court has given her an order as yet, but they're still allowing her to file several applications uh, for houses and all kinds of things. And it's really sad because uh, a lot of lawyers uh, and people we meet always tell us, why don't you just settle with her? Why don't you just settle? And I'm like, why would we settle when this person has tried to put not just my brother in jail, but try to put my mom, try to put me, all of us in jail for something that we didn't even do. So why would we do that? She has published it in the front page of the newspapers, published articles uh, in the front page of newspapers. It's available online as well. I think uh, one of those newspapers pulled the article down. Uh, and uh, but I think one of one of the articles online is still available. So if you type in our names, the thing is they misspelled my name. But uh, if you t <coughs> sorry, <coughs> if you type in one of our names, you will get the article up there. Uh, and uh, it claims that we were trying to view her uh, in her private moments on the CCTV cameras in our house, which finally she installed when the child was born. So, huh. okay. Yeah. So that, the allegations. That's, were... that's, that's pretty crazy that she would go to the length of publishing a full page spread claiming that your family was essentially spying on her. Wow. Yeah. That, that's taken it to a whole new level. I haven't heard that one yet. That is the new one. It's been so much harassment. Uh, I mean, I, I can't even. I don't think an hour uh, is enough for me to tell you about the kind of harassment we have been through in the last. I, you know, Taj, I was just looking at the clock, and I was like, okay, we have twenty-two minutes left. We haven't really even got to the court yet. Yeah. So I, w I definitely want to have you back on again because I think this is going to be a two-part, a two-parter. I don't think we can do it all in twenty-two minutes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. 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 Okay, so so we're at the point where where they get divorced. Okay, the, the child is born and it's a boy. Am I correct? Yes. Okay, yes. so it's a little boy. That, so how soon after after your nephew was born did your brother and your sister-in-law break up? So, uh, he, so the child was born in 2014, and they had obviously been having issues uh, for the whole of 2013 and the whole of 2014. The child was born at the end of 2014. And uh, 2019 was when they actually got separated. And uh, I, I just want to mention one more thing, because it was actually at the time that uh, she was pregnant. Uh, she actually told my brother something uh, like, again, she woke him up in the middle of the night and told him, uh, you know, um, now that I'm pregnant, I think you should put a property in my name. Uh, <laughs> Because, uh, uh, you know, my father was always very stingy. 
So uh, I've always been very insecure about my financials and my money. So, uh, you know, you should probably put something in my name. So my brother said, you know, there's nothing in my name either. Like my parents haven't put anything in my name and I haven't bought anything myself as yet. So he said, uh, it would be strange for me to now ask them to put something in your name. So uh, yeah. she was like, um, she was like, you know, you just, I think you should just sort that out with your family because, you know, I'm very insecure and, you know, I need to feel safe now that, you know, I'm having a child and all of that. And, and then she, after this conversation, uh, my brother said, okay, anyways, I'm going to sleep because this is not going anywhere. So yeah. again, she woke him up about a couple of minutes later and she says, uh, you know what? Uh, I was thinking, uh, if you put a property in my name, I'm okay if you ever want to have an affair in the future. Like, I'm okay with you going ahead and uh, doing that. And my brother was so shocked by this proposition. He was like, I mean, we're married. I got married knowing that I wanted to stay committed uh, in a relationship and I wanted to have a family and all of that. Why would I get married if I didn't want that? And I wanted to look outside of the marriage. He's like, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I think and my brother's whole thing was my family was perfectly fine with me dating women. So there was no need for me to get married. He's like, it was my choice to get married. And he's like, why would I look outside after that? But this is what she told him. And I think that's when it really hit him where he said, she doesn't value me. She doesn't value this relationship. And uh, huge. Yeah. And, uh, but he still stuck it out till 2019, uh, because he really wanted to be a father. And, uh, I mean, he never pressurized her. He actually thought they should wait a couple of years before they had kids, but she, she felt she was getting old, but he was just so happy with being a father. I think that just outweighed a lot of other stuff. So, yeah, I mean, and when he took that decision, it was literally at a point where she started involving the child. So, <clears throat> uh, a large part of their marriage, she started, uh, as I said, you know, she would invent stories about different people in his life and people that he was close to. And I feel in some way she kept trying to alienate him from those people. Uh, and while those people had no idea about these stories, like they were completely unaware that these incidences even happened. Uh, so, but my brother started feeling isolated in some way, like he couldn't trust anyone. Uh, and the same happened even with my mom and me, I think to an extent, she told him something like, you know, your mother and your sister don't trust you at all. Your mother doesn't think you're good enough. And she's giving everything to your sister. Which oh, is such wow. a strange thing. And at that point of time, my brother thought, why would my mother confide in her about what she's giving to whom, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, and that's some serious narcissism right there. I mean, that's one of the trademarks that they do. It's gaslighting. Yeah. It's, it's basically cutting him off from his family and making yeah. it so yeah. that the only person that he listens to and trusts is her. And that is a very common thing that they do. Yeah. And it can be very depressing. It can be very uh, scary for that individual because it's not like they're having a good marriage. They're having a horrible marriage. And at the same time, when they're isolated and distanced from everyone else, uh, they feel very alone and pretty much like they have nowhere to go. And 
sometimes I have heard because I've read up so much on narcissism. I've heard that some people do get suicidal as well if they wait too long in the relationship. Yep. So it's quite a scary situation to be in. And um, yeah, so uh, so yeah, I mean, she started doing that. <clears throat> and there was a point where he recognized that he didn't recognize it as narcissism, but he recognized that the stories were made up. And Something was, was wrong. Yeah. So it was when he started calling her out on it. Uh, that's when she had issues with. Uh, she had serious issues where she started threatening him with taking the child away. And uh, he says there was a constant sword over his head where he felt his child was going to be taken away. And she knew that. She knew that was her weapon. And she used it to the fullest if she wanted to go on vacation, if she wanted to, if she didn't want to, <coughs> sorry, if she didn't want to hang out with someone, like it was used at every, if she didn't want to go somewhere, it was just like, you know what, I'm going to take your child away. You fight for him at the police station, you fight for him at the court. And it, it, it was some, it was this constant threat. And he actually, he still stuck it out. He thought he would continue with, you know, uh, the uh, the abuse. But he felt uh, the thing is, she started involving the child, and she involved the child once. And at that point of time, he told her, "Listen, you involve the child once more, and we're done." And she did. So the second time she involved the child, she actually picked the child up, and she said uh, she dangled the child in front of my brother and said, uh, "You fight for him in court." And she told the child, uh, you know. Uh, Ask your father why you have to leave his house, why he wants oh. you to leave. That was those were the words. Ask your father why he wants you to leave. So um, it was quite painful, and uh, the taking the decision also was pretty painful. But I think his child uh, had forged a pretty strong bond with all of us, you know. By then, even though he was just how old was was the child at this? Four years, four months. He was four okay. years, four months, uh, very young, but uh, I think we have a pretty good bond even now. And even though we haven't met him as often, uh, to an extent, things are pretty much the same. I think some healing will have to happen, but our relationship hasn't changed. And, you know, we're still able to do the same things. Uh, he's very comfortable, you know? Okay. Okay, well that's good. So, so when it came, so when it came time for your brother to leave her, how did that all play out? So sorry. Um, so actually, he. Uh, I think when she realized that he was actually done, uh, she decided that she would start. So to his face, she started telling him, "I love you. I really want to stay in the relationship." This is something I really want. But she started writing these accusatory emails, you know, and the emails would say all kinds of things like your family is not giving me any food. They're depriving me of food and like these really bizarre accusations. And one would think if you're a doctor, I'm sure you can get your own food. Like you don't need someone to serve you a meal. But uh, the, the emails would say stuff like that. And um, but on the other hand, she would, um, when she, in person, she would say, you know, I love you. She once even read out a script, Alan, which was like, uh, 
a legal script uh, disguised as a love letter. And it was a bit weird because I feel if you love someone, you don't need a script. You can just tell yeah, them that exactly. you love them. But she read out a whole script uh, telling him how much she loved him and how she really wanted to work through the marriage. And uh, she was willing to put in the work and do whatever it took. So yeah, for their child, mind you. So what was your brother's reaction when he got that? He was shocked and, uh, but he said, this is typical, you know, he said, this okay. is typically how she behaves, you know, she's so very experienced it. You know, some people have absolute clarity about their agenda and their goal. So she was very clear about what she wanted. And, uh, you know, I think she wanted to stay in the marriage maybe, but she realized if he was going to leave her, she had to have some leverage. Yeah. So she had to create the paper train um, and, you know, whatever was required uh, in the event of, you know, a divorce happening. So she did. Yeah. yeah. She even bruised herself. She bruised herself and took pictures. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so she bruised herself, took pictures. And my brother discovered those pictures. And uh, we actually spoke to uh, a couple of friends and they said, you know what? She sounds pretty dangerous. I think you should go to the cops yourself and probably just register, just put it on, on record that you've discovered these pictures and there is a possibility that she's going to do something. You just want protection under misuse of law. So, so did you go that then? So we did, not that that made a difference. We, we actually did uh, put something on record at the police station just saying that we've discovered these and we have a feeling she's going to misuse the law and uh, but a little after that uh, they sent a notice to the house for my brother and asking him to come to the police station and unfortunately we were all at work and she uh, received the notice oh. so she received the notice uh, and she, and the cop even translated it for her uh, and uh, she once she received the notice she went to the, a neighbor's house she started crying to the neighbor saying my husband is trying to arrest me so uh, the neighbor was also surprised because the neighbors have known us for like you know 30 odd years so yeah uh, a lot of drama you know she tried to do a lot of uh, drama like even around the place like even in our area and uh, she went to the cop station and she gave a written statement as well before and she didn't tell us about this notice so we didn't know about it we found out later on from the neighbor and the, the security guard but uh, she gave a statement uh, and in that statement she has mentioned that we were trying to watch her on the cctv cameras she claimed in that that she did not know about the cctv cameras so uh, about uh, uh, about two weeks after she left we found out that she had gone to the police station and this notice had come and all of that. So we went to the police station again, my brother and I, uh, and we just said, you know, apparently a notice had come. Y'all had called him to the police station, but he didn't come because he didn't receive the notice. <coughs> so uh, they told us to meet the detective crime branch. Uh, and uh, so we met up with him and uh, he actually said, yes, I figured that she received the notice because it was her signature. 
and he thought that uh, that that was the reason we didn't come because there's no way she's going to tell us about the notice. Yeah. So he figured that out, but uh, he still interrogated us for a good two and a half hours. Uh, really? Just yeah. Uh, he oh, has wow. to do his job. I guess that's procedure. And fortunately, we were advised by an uh, ex uh, police commissioner of uh, an ex police commissioner who uh, is very upright in India. He's known to be very upright. And he actually told us uh, to just cooperate with the cops. And he said, uh, go to the police station yourself and find out what the issue is. So we went, we had a two and a half hour interrogation. Uh, and at the end of it, he gave us two bars of chocolate. And he said, I am so sorry that you guys are going through this. <laughs> but he said, a lot of women are doing this in India. Uh, there are a lot of women who have consensual sex with a guy uh, and they've had consensual sex for several years. And uh, the, uh, the minute he decides he's going to leave the relationship because he, he doesn't want it anymore, she files a rape uh, allegation at the uh, police station. And uh, the laws here are such that they just have to pick up the man and put him behind bars just based on a woman's word. No medical test new examination that happens all afterwards. So um, there are a lot of legal tools provided to women in India and uh, to protect them. Uh, it was provided with the best of intentions. And I think it was required at the time. But uh, I think it's taken a strange turn with like a lot of misuse. So yeah, well, and, you know, and I think that's, you know, once again, that's kind of one of those things that is prevalent pretty much all over the world you know you can have the greatest intentions for something but eventually it's going to be misused they're going to find loopholes in it you know because they do that same kind of thing over here in the states um you know that's a, that's a very common thing too a lot of times when uh you know divorces happen or you know relationships break up you know the woman will go and say oh he's abusing me you know and it's it's actually so prevalent over here that it's got a name. It's called the silver bullet technique because there is literally no defense to it. I mean, once those allegations are made, you know, whether it's violence towards the woman or violence towards the kid, the kids be there being physical or sexual in nature, you know, that father is removed. I mean, there's no questions asked. They don't even know that, you know, a hearing was held and they are removed all their rights are stripped if they live in the same house they're forced out of that house they can lose jobs and it just goes on and on and on and you know you find that in a lot of these situations there's no way to to clear the air on it and to you know clear the record and you know get your innocence back you know you're forever tarnished and damaged and it's a prevalent thing yeah the scary part is that um the lawyers know it the cops know it the judges know it, uh, but they pretty much can't do anything. Like, I feel like in some ways their hands are tied as well. Like the cops, they have to follow procedure. Uh, they cannot deviate from that, especially when uh, it's a case with uh, that has to do with women. Like there's literally a mandate. Like if uh, they can't even use their discretion, I think. I think if a woman comes in to file a first information report, they have to file it regardless of whether they see the loopholes. So <clears throat> the thing is, she filed, um, she filed this statement in Bombay 
and then she went to her uh, the place where her father lives and that's where she filed the actual police complaint uh so in that police complaint she's mentioned domestic violence whereas in the one here she's not mentioned domestic violence at all so to me like the stories are different uh yeah. all of that and you know how can you not like this is the most obvious way to decide whether a, a case is even uh you know uh, relevant to continue like you can just say okay we're done like she's changed her story within a span of uh, a month or two months a month so so how far away does her father live from where you guys live are we talking like a whole separate community it's a different city so uh, okay. bombay she uh, her father lives in bangalore okay so that's the thing a woman is allowed to file from any place she doesn't have to stick with the jurisdiction of uh, uh the same place so so even though for us technically we come under the jurisdiction of uh, a specific area in bombay she uh, can file in bangalore at any of the police stations she chooses to okay 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 that's interesting <laughs> yeah yeah so there are a lot of uh, things that are provided for a woman and somehow they don't consider a sister-in-law and a mother-in-law women <laughs> so so we get harassed like the man so that's just how it is it, that's that's weird that is so weird because if if you're giving all this preferential treatment to her but they're treating you you know the mother-in-law and the sister-in-law like your brother it's so weird yeah. strange yeah it is strange and we we considered people we considered the accused <laughs> the accused in this uh, situation so she's named my mom and my and me as well and it's a typical tactic uh, used by women to pressurize a man to settle uh, i just think my mom and i are uh, we were like we'll go to jail we told my brother we'll go to jail uh, it's fine but uh, we're not going to settle if you don't want to settle so and he was pretty adamant he didn't want to settle so we said whatever your decision is we're okay with and uh, don't worry about us we back you 100% wow. so, okay yeah. that's man it's way different than what i expected it to be <laughs> so just saw a comment which says what is her name <laughs> 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 but uh, i wouldn't i won't be mentioning her name i'm sorry yeah. but uh, even though yeah. she might <laughs> as in the newspaper article uh, i don't believe in defamation i think that's unacceptable i hope yeah things get proved and you know we get justice at some point of time but yeah now, now do you have any way of can you like turn around and sue her for that defamation for the newspaper article is that a possibility so so she has covered her tracks i think even with that i think she sent um an email the next day saying how could you write about this and something like that something to that effect so i think she has taken those legal precautions this was planned alan it wasn't it was planned with legal help all of that and it, uh, it, 99% of the time you know these women they are very good you know they are the the quokeville fox in you know in the in the hen house you know they go through and they cover their tracks and they meticulously plan everything out down to the littlest detail so i have no doubts that she planned it out beforehand very well Yeah yeah it was very well planned and uh I think we do have a reputation 
uh, at least, uh, I mean, in our, uh, we believe we have some kind of reputation. So uh, I think it is, uh, I guess she thought it was worth putting it in the newspaper so that, uh, not that we're well known, yeah, we are not well known at all. It's not like we're famous people or anything like that, we're not. But uh, just within our little circle, I think people do know us to stand for something. And I think uh, to have that in the newspapers was a bit scary. But what my brother did, which was uh, something that he just did uh, impulsively, and it worked out, I guess, in our favor. But he was so upset about it being in the newspaper. He was upset that my mom's and my name was also in the newspaper. So he actually just posted it on Facebook. And uh, he said, if she wants to spread this rumor, I'm going to help her spread it. So he posted it on his Facebook page. And he said uh, what Michelle Obama said. Uh, I think she said something like, oh, when they go, uh, when they, they go, go low, we go, when they go low, low, we go high. So he just wrote that and he posted on Facebook. And we had a lot of people reach out to us, uh, even people we didn't know. And they said, don't worry, we do not believe a word, word that is written in the paper. Uh, but the good thing that came out of it, Alan, is we don't read the newspapers anymore. We realize oh, that we get it to the front page. <laughs> it probably isn't worth reading the newspaper anymore, right? So. There you go. And, and Taj, our 55 minutes are up at that point. That's yeah. how quick it went. So yeah. let's, let's go ahead and, and call this episode good. And I will get with you um, offline here so we can set up another time to continue the story because there's much more to go through this whole thing and unpacking. Sounds yeah. All right, Taj, I'm going to let you get back to your day. Once again, I want to thank you for stopping by. I know it's still early in the morning there. You're just getting started. It's uh, late at night here. I'm yeah. about to go get my boy to bed and get myself to bed, and uh, we're going to go from there, all right? Yeah, thank you so much, and I hope I wasn't extreme. We're in the thick of things, so I do get my emotions are pretty high, so sometimes I do say something extreme, so I'm really, I apologize to everyone if I said anything that was... Oh, no, no, you you were great. You were not extreme at all. <laughs> okay, so don't worry about that. You know, one of those things that I take pride in is it's your story, and you can tell it how you want. I'm not going to censor you. I'm not going to say you know, I'm gonna take it. Take it down a couple notches. I don't do that. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Taj. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Alright guys, so that was Taj from Bombay, India. A uh, very lovely lady, very crazy story that her brother is going through. But, you know, once again, it seems like it doesn't matter if it's India, if it's the UK, if it's the United States, if it's Vietnam. It's the same shit over and over and over again. You gotta ask yourself at some point, are these women all working from the same freaking playbook? Okay, with that being said, that is going to wrap up tonight's episode. I am going to have Taj back on because there is much more to talk about in regards to her brother's situation. All right, guys. So I will be back again on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock with another father on The Father's Truth. I am Alan Donovan. I want to thank you guys for stopping on by. I appreciate you as always. Stay safe, and I love you all. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Father's Truth. If you would like to be a guest or know someone with a story that needs to be heard, email Alan Donovan now at thefatherstruth at zohomail.com.